In today's gospel story, we see a clash of kingdoms, a clash of kings represented in this exchange between Jesus and Pilate. In this short conversation, this interrogation of Jesus by Pilate, we find that Pilate is himself being interrogated. Jesus is answering his questions in such a way that Pilate is forced to answer three questions for himself. First, is Jesus a king? Second, what sort of king is he? And lastly, is he my king? As in many gospel stories, we would do well to put ourselves into this story, in this case, into Pilate's shoes. So let's look at this conversation with these three questions in mind. First, is Jesus a king? Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? But the way he asks it, it could mean something like, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus doesn't exactly look the part. He doesn't look like a revolutionary. Maybe Pilate was expecting someone big and strong with scars on his face. But basically, he's trying to figure out if Jesus is in fact a king, if this is a potential threat to the Roman rule. And Jesus' initial response is remarkable. It reorients the whole conversation. For he answers Pilate's question with a question. Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Here we get our first hint that something deeper is going on in the narrative. Who is questioning whom? Who's really on trial? While Pilate questions Jesus, Jesus is simultaneously putting Pilate on trial. The question he asks is essentially, are you asking this for yourself? In other words, are you interested in the truth or are you just doing your job? Are you interested in finding out for yourself who I am? Are you a seeker after truth? Or are you keeping this conversation professional? Are you keeping the situation at arm's length? Pilate's answer is contemptuous. He says, literally, am I a Jew? And this accomplishes two things. First, it's Pilate's way of saying, I'm just doing my job. The whole conversation doesn't concern me except to determine whether or not you pose a threat that needs to be squashed. But it's also, at a deeper level, Pilate's way of saying, whether or not you are the king of the Jews, you're not my king. In other words, Pilate could, be, could end up believing that Jesus was in fact the king of the Jews and still hold that Jesus has no claim over his own life. Kind of like an American who says, whether or not Elizabeth is queen of England, she's not my queen. As the conversation progresses, Jesus starts talking about his kingdom, its nature and its origin. So Pilate finally has the answer to his first question. He says, in a sense, aha, so you are a king. Well, if, Pilate is, if Jesus is a king, what sort of king is he? Although Jesus accepts the title, he goes out of his way to qualify it. Why would he do that? Well, when Pilate thinks of a king, probably like when you or I think of a king, 
he's thinking of an earthly king with all the baggage that that brings. The way to the crown is through violence, through revolution, through military might. And earthly kings rule according to the principles that govern this world. Those principles, unfortunately, most often include injustice and oppression, the strong taking advantage of the weak. But Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. And he gives as evidence something that should have already had Pilate scratching his head. Jesus' followers did not fight to prevent his arrest. If his kingdom were like any other earthly kingdom, surely his followers would not have allowed him to be handed over without a fight. But his kingdom is not the sort of kingdom that's established or maintained by physical force. Jesus' kingdom has a different origin and a different nature. So what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is where the hungry are fed and the sad comforted. Its citizens show love to their enemies. They are free from anxiety because they trust in God's provision. They welcome the outcasts and the sinners. They offer freely to all the forgiveness they have freely received from God. They consider the needs of others above their own. The kingdom of God, in short, is God's saving activity applied to the individual and the world. The truly remarkable thing is that this kingdom Jesus brought is turning the world upside down. What do I mean? Well, take this story as an example. It appears that Pilate has all the power, all the honor on his side. He's calling the shots. But this moment in his life is the only one for which history remembers him. If people know Pontius Pilate today, it's only because he shows up in our creed, which says that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Jesus, on the other hand, has had a profound and lasting impact on the rest of human history, far more than any other figure. So although his king kingdom was not a military threat to Rome, it would outlast and outgrow the Roman Empire a hundredfold. His kingdom is not from this world. It has a different origin and nature, but it is for this world. It is meant to permeate and transform the world around us. When we pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's a kingdom prayer. We're praying that God's rule will be extended to include all of creation, both heaven and earth. Well, Pilate has determined that Jesus is a king and that his kingdom is unlike any he has ever known before. The last question Pilate must answer the question we all must answer, is Jesus my king? Jesus says, for this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. This is perhaps the clearest statement in the gospels of Jesus's purpose for coming into the world. And there are two things to note about it. Those two words, testify and truth. First, Jesus came to testify 
the word used there is martureo, which, if you don't know any Greek, sounds like the English word martyr, because that's where the English word comes from. But in Greek, it doesn't carry the connotation that we have in English of someone dying for, the, for what they believe. In, in Greek, it just means to testify. It means to bear witness. But of course, those connotations were grafted onto that word in English because of Jesus's bearing witness unto death and because of the early Christians who likewise bore witness even unto death. Jesus is the first and archetypal martyr, dying to make the truth known. In him we see truth itself vindicated in death. We see the truth of the kingdom of God in stark contrast to the lies of the kingdoms of this world. And we see it chiefly in the king who gave his life for his subjects. The second thing to note is that Jesus came to testify to the truth. And this is one of those wonderful moments in John's gospel. In Pilate's mind, thinking as a Greco-Roman, thinking as a Roman, he's thinking of truth in the sense, probably in the sense that we understand it, an accurate picture of reality, an accurate description of reality. But in the Hebraic sense, in the Old Testament, truth is primarily a matter of faithfulness. It means being true to your word. And when it's applied to God, it means covenant faithfulness. It means God keeping his promises, God being true to his word. So when Jesus says that he came to testify to the truth, he's saying both that in his words and actions, we see the correct perspective on reality. We see the deep inner structure of reality. And at the same time, we see God's faithfulness enacted. We see God making good on his promises, his promise not to leave us or forsake us, to be with us always, to reconcile us to himself. And this is where things get quite personal for Pilate and for us. Jesus says, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And remember in the Bible, to listen means to hear and obey. It's like the old English word, heed. So Jesus is saying, everyone who belongs to the truth heeds my voice. And here we see the great reversal in this conversation. As one scholar put it, it is not Jesus who is on trial, but rather Pilate, who is confronted with the light of the world and must decide whether he prefers darkness or light. Jesus invites his judge to become his follower, a citizen of his kingdom. This is not, as Pilate may have first assumed, some pretender king exercising influence over a small band of Jews. This is the one true king calling Pilate and all people through him to enter his ki kingdom with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Jesus is a king, but a king like no other, a king who came to make known God's faithfulness and to call each one of us out of our slavery to self and into his service, which is perfect freedom. May Christ the King, who proved himself true at the cost of his life, find our hearts ever ready to heed his voice. Now to him who loves us 
and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever.